time. Okay. <laughs> Stuff actually came out of my nose then. Terry said I do a shit intro because I don't smile. That's just me. It's because I'm part goth. Alright. Ready? Go. So I smile. <clears throat> smile when I die. Oh god. <laughs> don't you smile. Right, let's get this done. Hello and welcome to another episode of Too Much Time on Our Hands, the theatrical cut. I'm Sonia and sitting opposite me with a face for radio is Terry. Hi, Hi Terry. Sonia. Yay! Um, we're back for part two of our vampires episode. Lucy's gone to bed. Um, with a vampire. Maybe, maybe not, who knows. Um, so part one we were talking about, or rather Lucy was talking about, giving us a bit of a history lesson. The legend of the vampire. You know, what? where the sort of stories of vampires and Dracula as we know him come from. Um, and we talked a bit about why we have this fascination with vampires um, and what the differences between the scary vampires and the sexy vampires and Lucy gave us her opinion on some good vampire movies but now we're going to talk about some vampire movies that we like and that we've watched but we're going to start with what's normally our weekly roundup but it's actually been about three weeks since we did an episode um I feel like I'm really loud that's just you I feel like I'm a lot louder than you we're just gonna have a little fiddle with the levels is that better? Can you hear that? Sounds too quiet now. Bring me up a little touch. Bring you up a touch. Hello. Bring you up. Hello. A, no, I'm fine. If Hello. anything, I'd sound a little bit screechy. Hello. Oh, whatever. Let's just leave it. Dan, that's Dan's problem. Yeah, deal with um, it. Dan. Yeah, we normally do like our weekly roundup, which is my favourite part of the show. But it's been about three weeks since we recorded because in between times we've done the quiz. Yeah, so we didn't um, do an episode this week as it is now yeah um so we've got a massive massive three weekly roundup today which we're very excited about which um we're going to talk about some of the films that we've seen at the ter- cinema and terry has got a rant and a half lined brewing. up um it is absolutely brewing did you want to start with your rant or should how do you want to do this let's ease into the rant i think let's do some other films first because that's okay. not the first film that we saw at the cinema is it so we saw another film together. What, Hotel Artemis? Yes. Um, we did, yeah. So Hotel Artemis was a... Was it Unlimited Screening? It was screening? an Unlimited Screening. I don't think it's... I think it's only just come out now. Unlimited Screening, which we went to see, and that was back on the 10th of the month, Terry, which was That's over two weeks ago. Yeah, a long, long time. Um... Do you want to do you want to tell people about Hotel Artemis? Because I've um, I'll be honest, it, I just found it okay. That's yeah, so my review of Hotel Artemis. A, it wasn't a mind blowing film. I thought it was quite a good film. So basically, the Hotel Artemis is a hotel. We're set, I think, twenty years in the future, where there's basically riots all over the place. There's a water shortage in LA, and it's like rationed, and that's why people are rioting. And the Hotel Artemis is somewhere where criminals go. You pay like a membership fee, and if you get shot up, you go in. They'll fix you up. As I say it's set in the future there's all like nanotechnology and stuff so you can get sort of cured of any of your ills we follow one particular night where a criminal who's been robbing a bank with his brother turns up 
there's already someone in there who's got a bit of a flesh wound there's charlie day in there who's some sort of crazed arms dealer who's had like a lost an eye and jodie foster is like the main nurse and uh Batista is the orderly who's called Everest, which is quite nice. Obviously, he's fucking massive. Mm. And basically, it follows this one night, and halfway through the night, the person who owns the hotel is on his way to be treated. And she's like, I can't save him a room because that's not the rules. So then his son turns up, and things go awry from there. I mean, as I say, it was perfectly enjoyable I don't think it's a groundbreaker I mean one of the things I really took away from the film is Jodie Foster has an amazing old lady run doesn't she she has like a proper shuffle um, so her character is quite tragic in the film she's got a, a fairly horrendous backstory um, but yeah it was perfectly enjoyable I don't think I mean I wouldn't recommend people to go out and spend money on it but if you can see it and you or you're looking for something to watch then yeah perfectly enjoyable someone I know who watched it also gave it a sort of not a comparison but it's almost like a john wick sort of a film like style like the continental mm. it's got that sort of vibe where it's like very much like this underworld that other people don't see and oh, i've i've heard some um it's i've heard it's a rip-off of john wick yeah that's what some said and i wouldn't call it because uh. you don't really have the hitman side of it i mean yeah it's got the continental side but it's a very run-down hotel it's a shit heap whereas obviously john wick the continental is very mm. plush very nice it's all the gold coins um, I don't think it's a patch on John Wick personally, but I just thought it was a bit um, a bit dull, if I'm honest. Yeah. I thought it had like a really good cast, and I then it was just cast. a bit, um, yeah, just a bit dull. But I, I did think that Jodie Foster playing, she wasn't playing like a typical old lady. Like she wasn't no. like one of the Golden Girls, but she definitely no, she was quite strong willed and obviously a very good nurse they'd aged her hadn't they slightly yeah. and she did have this kind of like shuffle Sorry, oh Liz. Terry's just trod on my foot with his sandal um yeah and he, I just I don't know I was just a bit sort of like I didn't really know anything about it going no, into it and I it. was just sort of like it's one of those films I just thought it was a bit of a non-event really yeah, not a lot really happened no um so that was just a sort of meh yeah what's next on your list uh, so on my list so I actually going backwards so I actually watched Spy which obviously we talked about on the Statham and you pod. didn't like it did you no I thought every second that didn't have Jason Statham in it was fucking awful I don't like Melissa McCarthy I what's your beef with Melissa McCarthy you've said this before she's, she's fattest she's not funny that's just in my opinion I yeah. don't find her funny and the thing is with her and it's a bit like a lot of the Will Ferrell stuff now it's all improvised, but you can tell it's improvised. Like, there seems to be this big thing that improvised films are amazing. But half the time, you can just tell that it's just like, oh, this is take 15, and I'm just going even more wacky and even more wild with the scenario that I'm creating. Mm. The Stath is amazing in it. I particularly love the bit where he's got like, the wig and the little moustache. And at the end where he's on the boat, and he's like, every now and again, a man's got to go to sea, and they just whisper, should we tell him he's on a lake? Mm. And then as the credits roll, you hear, is this a fucking lake? How do I get <laughs> off of it? So I did enjoy his stuff, but yeah, I didn't enjoy the film as a whole. I literally just got through. I mean, I quite like looking at Rose Byrne as well, so that lightened the load a bit. And obviously, I don't like Jude Law either. Christ, what's wrong with your beef with Jude Law? She's not a very good actor. Says the Keanu Reeves fan. Moving on, Terry. Uh, I love Spy, by the way. Yeah, so then I watched Jason X. 
the why are you watching these films i just pick random films i fancy watching something so i mean jason x i haven't seen all the jason films or the friday the 13th films i've now ordered a box set so i will be watching them uh it's just it's so it's so awful it's crap but then it's so awful it becomes awful again and then sort of comes <laughs> back round to being I crap love that there's just some bits where it's just like, like the effects are really cheap mm. and horrible. I mean, Jason ends as like Uber Jason, where he's like made of metal. Mm. Um, it's set in space in the mm. future. I mean, there's some fairly funny deaths. He puts someone's head into like liquid nitrogen and then smashes it on the side. So that's c- kind of interesting. Bit you know, different. I've got them all, don't you? You could have just yeah. watched mine. Box that I got for like 10 quid off Amazon. Oh, okay. Screw um, Well, the one to eight box set, because obviously then it changed hands. So that's yeah. why you've got. That's why the fucking spines don't matter. They're Friday the 13th up to number 8 and then 9 is Jason Goes to Hell, 10 is Jason X and that's they they, they weren't allowed to use Friday the 13th in the title as part of the arrangement. Didn't actually know that. Yeah, and that's why you'll never have them in a box set. Uh, so then, in my viewing, we then get to the next cinema is outing that we have. Skyscraper. So, yeah, so this is the film Skyscraper. Now we did so, we had quite a big um, outing for this, didn't we? Yeah, there so there, was, was, a, there was a lot of the crew. Um, we were excited. We were because we wanted this to be our secret screening the other week, didn't we? Yeah, when we, we got in Incredibles two, Terry and I were actually disappointed. We yeah, wanted I was hoping for skyscraper. skyscraper. Um, so on paper, The Rock, burning building. He's married. He's got a prosthetic leg. What could go wrong? I mean, it's not often that I'm found after a film stood in a car park ranting at the top of my <laughs> voice at anyone who'll listen. But I fucking hated this film. Like, literally. So I said, as we left, give me 15 minutes on the podcast about this. As I went home, I got home, I sat down, and I've actually made notes on what I disliked about the film to make sure I covered everything and, um, I wanted to talk about. Where did you make your notes? Uh, I was sat on the toilet. So as you can see, I've got quite a lot of notes. God, there's quite a lot. I'll just, I'll just, yeah, I'm gonna so, just, uh, I'm just gonna sign out for 15 minutes. I'll come back, shall I? Well, you might want to, you might want to chip in. So, I'm, I'm not being completely out. There are a few good things in it. So, mm-hmm. I think we can all agree. Neve Campbell was the best thing in the film. Absolutely. She manages to play it off quite well. She has quite mm. a nice fight scene, which I thought was quite good in the mm. car. Very close knit. And I also thought when The Rock was fighting his friend in the flat, that was quite brutal, and like you felt that fight. And I also thought the way they started the fire was quite clever. The fact they use chemicals that react to water. I thought that was genius. Rather than just setting it on fire, they use... I'm assuming it's magnesium. That's the only thing I know that catches fire on water. Oh, it's been a long time since I was at but school, But they Terry. cover the floor in it and then set off the sprinklers. So that just it sets the fire off. Yeah. So it sets more sprinklers off, which just keeps keeps the fire Fueling burning. the fire. Exactly. So th- I thought that was quite clever. And there endeth the good bits. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's... I mean, I think my biggest problem with a lot of these things, because you said to me as we were leaving, you've got to suspend disbelief. And I think my main problem with this film is they were trying to play it seriously. There was no cocking of the eyebrow. There was no sort of, oh, the building's on fire. This, for me, was being played as a straight disaster film that was serious. Um, So we start, as we've mentioned, The Rock has a prosthetic leg. So we start, unsurprisingly, 10 years before the events of the main film, where he's some sort of negotiator slash SAS slash uberman who's sent into a building where a man is holding his children and wife hostage they manage to talk him into putting his son down he turns around and he's wearing a bomb round his chest the rock is stood approximately three to five feet away 
The man detonates himself and all that happens is the rock loses his left leg from the knee down. No facial scarring, no body scarring, just one leg loss, despite the fact that his chest was the closest thing to the bomb. His man boobs. Yes. So from the off, I was just like, that's a bit shit. Like that just does. I assumed that he was an Afghan veteran and he literally like stood on an IOD or he got his leg shot off. Mm. So it didn't start well for me. And then I just found the next 15 minutes incredibly sappy and building up. Oh, look, he's a family man. He loves his daughter. There's that horrible bit. Who loves you more? I love you more. Oh, just fucking awful. Um, and then there's the... Um, there's going to be spoilers in this. Then they set up the how Neve Campbell saves it in the end. Oh, you've just got to turn your phone off and on again if it stops working. And the second he says it, you know, at the end, she's going to have to turn something off and on again for it to work. Sonia's pulling faces. I just, I don't get you in the spoilers, but anyway, carry on. I can't rant without spoiling it. And I've not said what she turns off and on again. It could be a vibrator for all we know. Um, so then we skip a little bit. So another thing that annoyed me, and this is just because I don't watch the trailers. I thought it was a natural disaster that happened that set the building on fire, but it's mm. not. It is sabotage to try and ruin the man who spent six and a half billion pounds building the Pearl, which is the name of the building. And I was that sort of left me a bit cold so the rock ends up not in the building when it catches fire it catches fire from about the 96th floor and it's about 200 stories to gain entry to the building because it's obviously been closed off by the fire brigade the rock climbs a crane which is across the road and i mean i've written it in very big letters heat apparent fire is apparently not hot in this film Mm -hmm. because that crane would be hundreds of degrees centigrade you would not be able to stand that close to a burning building because the i mean if you stand next to a fire how hot is it and that's a small fire i just stand next to the kettle or the oven exactly especially in this weather weather. i mean and that's in like hong kong or something that it's warm over there Hmm. Uh, so he he climbs the crane he somehow manages to beat people who are in the lift of the crane to the top of the crane despite the fact he is climbing the crane um whenever there's a long shot the fire is in a different place to where it's actually in so there's a bit where it's completely engulfing the whole building and then it cuts to our people stood on the roof quite happily standing there so again it was just the fire not being hot because it mm. was just you would not be able to breathe you would not be able to do anything and so if it was tongue in cheek and the rock's cocking his eyebrow when he's saying some of his lines i think it would have been all right uh, duct tape plays quite a big part in the film and he has a very small role of duct tape but he uses a hell of a lot of duct tape uh, at one point he sticks it to his hand so he can climb the building which was just so ridiculous um, there's a bit where he has to jump through some blades that are spinning and he spends 15 minutes <laughs> on the way in timing it and then on the way out he just takes a running jump and makes it out absolutely fine his prosthetic leg is apparently made of unobtainium and carbon or whatever because he stops a slamming safe door with it and it doesn't crumple the leg. Mm. That annoyed me. Um, and then the last thing, which is a silly thing. So throughout the film, and he mentions to his friend at the beginning, since the incident where he lost his leg, he's never touched a gun. That part of his life's over. He's now this security man. Right at the end of the film, he picks up a gun but never fires it. He ends up putting it down again. It's like, why even have him pick up the gun? It would have been quite cool to have gone through that whole film and have your hero not touch a gun. I don't, I'll be honest, I didn't even notice that. I mean, yeah, my fury was boiling away. I could tell. 
say it's not often I watch a film and I dislike it while I'm watching it, but that film, everything just made my blood boil. And that's following on from Rampage, which I also found disappointing from The Rock as well. I just, mm. I don't understand this film at all. Say it was just being played too seriously because having The Rock, had it had a more serious actor, maybe you'd expect it of it, but with it being The Rock and it being such a high concept film, a building is on fire, his family's in it. Mm. There was just no, it wasn't played for humour or jokes at all. It was just too serious and not serious enough, as I say. You would that building would just melt at those temperatures. Um, are you done? End of the rant. Okay. Um, I, I I was also there. I watched the film. I think the general feeling when the film had finished was just everyone was a bit just sort of like eh. like nobody was mad like Terry. Terry did actually go and sit outside and sulk on his own for a little while. Um, I was just sort of like. I thought it was kind of fun. I like didn't mind it. If I'm honest, at, at so at certain points, I was checking the time because I was getting a bit bored. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right that Neve Campbell was the best thing in it, and I agree with you that the film was utterly ridiculous. But that's kind of what you expect from a rock movie. But the scenes that Neve Campbell was in, Terry's got himself caught like tangled, and he's it, oh. Watching him trying to untangle himself is hilarious. But the scenes that Neve Campbell was in, she kind of made like an absolute farce of a film into something that was almost credible, like the scenes that she was in. Yes. Um, and I, I just, I, I think that she saved it for me. Um, I didn't hate it um, like Terry did. I just thought it was okay. Um, it's certainly not one that I'd, want to go and see again at the cinema because I don't think I could sit through it again and I certainly wouldn't buy it. Oh no, I've never Like sometimes, it. like I do have shit films in my collection because I like to have the complete collection of something. Um, but it's, I mean, I know that, I know that Skyscraper's not part of a collection but it's still not, even if it was like, you know, a quid or two quid, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't it. pick it up because I just don't feel like I'd, like I'd watch it again. No, it's a one star for me. And that's mainly um, for the fighting. And I just, I just go. I mean, I gave it a two and a half. I, which for me is just like a very sort of like average film. But I just didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just don't feel like I'd want to watch it again. I did enjoy one thing. I just thought really like summed the rock up and sort of how super tough he is. Is when he was having a fight with his ex um, colleague, if you like. Yeah. Um, like you say, that fight was quite intense, but the guy pulls his leg off, doesn't he? So there yeah. was a quite fair, po- fair portion of the fight or where the rock hopping. hopping around. I thought only the rock would think. I bet that was his idea. Is like, hmm, yeah. how can I make this fight scene more extreme? Well, I'm gonna. It just gonna seemed do unnecessary as well to give him the prosthetic leg. Well, see, I've listened to some reviews of it, and they kind of say, and people have pointed out that very fact. It's just like why we even being shown that he's got a prosthetic leg because it doesn't really seem to have Other any bearing on the story. falling or to uh, um, stop a door. You know, other people have said, oh, you know, he succeeds and manages to, to do this great um, rescue mission despite the fact only having one leg or... I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't really get the whole point of him only mm-hmm. having one leg because it didn't really seem to be relevant to the story. Um, unless they they really thought to themselves, how else can we prop open this safe door? Yeah. Well, we're going to have to use a fake leg. <laughs> Where are we going to get that from? We'll have to give it to the rock. Um, so yeah, that was 
and the whole I think the of the group that went because there was quite a few of us so like six yeah. or seven of us wasn't there and everyone was just a bit disappointed but yeah Terry did shout quite loud in the car park and uh, <laughs> scared a tramp um, so that's Skyscraper we cannot really in all honesty recommend that can we no it's very rare that I would just outright say do not watch a film mm. but yeah I would not recommend that so we're rock fans I love disaster films but utter bobbins what else you seen I'm sorry <laughs> I am I'm a little bit sleepy. So I also watched Dark Knight. I won't go into that now. So if you want to hear about my oh, yeah. thoughts on the Dark plug, Knight, plug then, your other one. Uh, there's too much time on our hands. Dark Knight special, which came out this week. So have a listen to that. That's me and Dan and Duncan from the Mother Pod having a little chat about Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart, Christian Bale, and our thoughts on the Dark Knight. Obviously, it's fucking fantastic. It's um, it's a really interesting pod, and I love the fact that um, because you obviously spoke to Dan about that, um. Because it's the 10th anniversary of the yes. film, is that right? Um, and I know it's one of your favourite films, but when Dan asked both of us to take part, and I was a straight no, because actually I don't, I'm not a fan of those films at all. Um, but you guys talking about it actually made me want to watch it again. Yeah, um, when people are excited about a film, it really gets you going about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, we don't want to go into it too much. I do think Christian Bale's fucking terrible. But anyway... Um, oh, very Fuck off. I'm Batman! <laughs> uh, so that was The Dark Knight. I probably feel the same way about Christian Bale as Batman as you do about the film Skyscraper, but moving on. No one can feel that badly about Christian I Bale. I don't actually don't think they uh, So I also watched Jack Reacher. So that was just a random... You've seen it before though, right? Oh yeah, I've seen it many times before, but it was just... Again, I wanted a break from vampire films. Is that because you were going to go and watch another Tom Cruise film? It was possible. I, I think it was actually... I said to my wife, do you want to watch a Mission Impossible film? She said no. So then Jack Reacher was my next port of call. Because I really, really like that film. Yeah, I like it too. I know, obviously, Tom Cruise got a lot of... Well, I don't know if it's abuse, but they thought he was horrendously miscast. Cause, got a lot of stick, didn't he? Because in the books, he's like six foot seven and Tom Cruise is about four foot three. Um, <laughs> but I don't think... Because he's a big man, like he's muscular. It's not like he's a weedy little. Like if it was me, fair enough, because I don't look like I could beat five people up in one go. But I think you believe that of Tom Cruise, and I think it's a really well-made film. I think it's a really well-written film, well acted. Even like Jai Courtney is actually quite good in it. Who's Jai Courtney? He's like the guy who's actually the sniper. That's not a spoiler because you find out that at the beginning. He's like the the Australian bad guy. Oh, I don't remember. Um, although I did read, apparently his accent was so awful because he's Australian, he was playing American. They cut most of his lines out because they just reasonable. he couldn't work it. But no, I really like the Reacher film. Going back to what you said about uh, Tom Cruise got quite a bit of stick and some people didn't like his casting. Stuff like that just does my head in. It's just like yeah. it's just absolute bullshit. Like who cares if he? For me, perfect, perfectly believable that he's Jack yeah. Reacher. And, I, and actually, I didn't care. I hadn't picked up on the facts. I read some of the Jack Reacher books. I hadn't picked up yeah, on that he was like that tall. Yeah, I've read three or four of them since. I hadn't picked up that he was even that tall. So it obviously wasn't that important of no. a fact to me uh, when I was reading it. How bloody tall he was. But it's I think like, he's better now because he's meant to be like a sort of lovable rogue, which I think Tom Cruise pulls off because he's got the twinkles. It's mad to think he's like 55 Tom Cruise. Well, And he's jumping this, out of planes. Just this very morning, I was um, commenting about how fit Tom Cruise clearly was because we'll get onto this very shortly Where's when, we went, film, when so. we went to see the new Mission Impossible film and I said you know he does his own stunts but the thing that really got me was the amount of running that he did and I said well for a guy in his 50s I think he's like really fit the cleaner started laughing at me as if I was a lunatic I was just like 
Okay, well, you have a race with him then. Because yeah. she thought I was being silly about sort of going about how great Tom Cruise was. But then, but I don't care if he's an actor and he's... Okay, I've hit the mic again. There is seriously something wrong with me. Um, but I don't care if he's an actor and he gets training and stuff like that. He's still in amazing shape for his age yeah. and fair play. That's the thing. He's just doing it for the love of it now, isn't yeah. it? I, I mean, I imagine he is being paid vast sums of money for it, but he's literally just like fancy jumping out of a plane, hanging from a helicopter... Uh, like other ones where he's like done like the rock climbing, holding onto the side of a plane as it takes off, climbing the fucking skyscraper. It was the in Dubai. running that got me. The amount of mm. running that he did. But anyway, but have you seen the Family Guy like spoof bit of Tom Cruise? Like, you know where he's always running in his films, and it cuts to him running his film, and it's his mind with gay thoughts, and he's trying to run away from them. Oh dear. Um, which probably brings us on nicely yeah. to our next film. So, Mission Impossible Fallout. So, we went separately because I went with Dan from the other pod and Steve to the midnight showing. And, and you I went the day after. Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't a midnight viewing so for me. So, I absolutely love this film. I think I'm a massive lover it's of the, the mission. one, isn't it? Six. It's the sixth one? Yes. Oh, so, you've marvelous. got one, two, and three. Yeah. And then it's Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, oh. Fallout. Oh. Um, the first time we've had a returning director so up to now they've all been separate but Christopher okay. McQuarrie also directed Rogue Nation as well as this one but okay. he said that he tried to write it as he as if he was writing it for someone else so that it would still have a different sensibility which I do think it has a different vibe to the others but it's just from the get go it just kicks off so you've got obviously that well I guess it's not spoilers like the sort of almost dream sequence of Tom Cruise and his wife from the third mm. film and then just all these... It's in a trailer, I think, isn't it? That yeah. scene. Um, and then it's like the MacGuffin of the film is like palladium or something that they're going to build nuclear weapons with and that's like what's driving the plot of the film. But it's very different for a mission film. Things don't go right, which generally in a mission film, things do go right. You've got Ving Rhames coming back as Luther. Love him. Simon Pegg, who... I still don't believe as an action superstar. I just that's just something about him, but he's very good in the films. And obviously this film introduces Autumn Walker as played by Henry Cavill and his mustache. Um I'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> uh so he's like a CIA man who is forced onto Ethan's team while they continue on with this. I mean you can't really talk about it too much more because it starts getting spoilery yeah, and I, I don't mean, want to get into I anything. Mean, honest really, so they they've got to try and track down these nuclear weapons and yeah. stop them being set off. It's a very typical, I think, Mission Impossible film yeah. in that regard. But in terms of action, I think it's probably my favourite one so far. Oh, yeah, they've got um, better and better. The the action sequences in it would, like, non-stop. I mean, you've got... An, There's a car chase, car a motorbike chase, chase. bike chase, fucking helicopters. The fight in the... running. Yeah, the fight in the bathroom. In the bathroom, that fight in the bathroom, I reckon, hands down, is one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen. People, because yeah. I went, to, I went to watch it twice. Um, so I went to watch it. Um, Terry went to the midnight showing, and then I went to see it in the eve- the following evening. Um, and the the first viewing I went to on Wednesday night was full, um, but I felt like the audience were taking it a lot more seriously. When I went to see it again last night, there were lots of laughs, and yeah, there's when definitely people were humor laughing, in it. I was like laughing with them. But it was a very different crowd because stuff that I was finding funny last night it didn't occur to me as being funny the night before um, but the I just thought the action scenes were so so good um, 
but the bit <laughs> the bit that really got me so um henry cavill or Cav- is it cavill cavill, or cavill is playing walker the whole time i was watching that on wednesday night i thought it was jamie dornan is that his name or Dorman? Yeah, no, I can see that with, with, the, okay. with the beard and the moustache. With the on. beard and the moustache. Apart right? from the fact he's twice the size well, of him. I was thinking, and I'm sitting there watching, and I was thinking, oh, Christian Grey's beat up a little bit. And I was thinking to myself, this is this is some hot shit right here. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is ticking a lot of boxes for me. So I go again the following night, um, and my Cinnabar buddy is like, breaking, oh, you know, Superman's in the film. And I'm like, no, he's not. Superman's in the film. I said, fucking no, what are you talking about? Because then the, the names come up at the start, and he's like, yeah, it's Henry Cavill, like that. And I'm like, no fucking way. I thought it was Mr. Grey. So I've got I've got all these visions in my head, you know, of Walker, the Red Room of Pain. It's the wrong damn guy. It's the wrong damn guy. But I looked up some pictures of them on IMDb, and I've put them side by side. I might even share them on my Instagram. I think I'm justified. I think with the beard that Cavill's got on in this film, I, I think, could see that. I think I'm justified with in you my saying confusion. It, I, I wasn't confused watching it, but with you saying it, I can see your confusion. You can see why I'd get confused. Yeah. I'm just seeing a hot guy on the it's, telly. Yeah, so it's because your eyes steamed over. Yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> be still my beating vagina. Um, <laughs> so that's our Mission Impossible. So on the flip side, we could not recommend um, oh, yeah, go Skyscraper, but Mission Impossible. I mean, I've been to see it twice. It's only been out two days. I'd go and see it again. Say the stunts, because as we say, Tom Cruise basically uses these films as a baby for him to do his own stunts. And in this one, he actually does two ridiculous stunts. I mean, this is the film. He broke his ankle doing one of the stunts, didn't he? Yeah, but that's not one of the mega stunts. So he broke his ankle just jumping from a building, which the actual scene of him, the take of him breaking his ankle is in it. Mm. So if you look, you can see his leg completely twist the wrong way. And it's actually... So you see him jump the building and you see him climb up and walk off. When he's walking off, that is the broken ankle take. So they actually left the whole bit that they shot. Mm. Because Christopher McQuarrie, the director, said as soon as he broke it, he's like, he fucking broke his ankle. It's got to go in the film. Um, but So what are the two mega scenes that you're talking about then? So you know one of them obviously is. the halo jump. Where he jumps out of the plane with Walker. Oh, yeah. So that's actually Tom Cruise. He does that full jump. Oh, my God. Um, Henry Cavill does not do the jump as his character because apparently in the words of Tom Cruise if it went wrong he's so fucking big you'd kill me (laughs) but Tom Cruise actually does a halo jump with another person where he swaps an oxygen tank and then does a low shoot opening which is what a halo jump is oh okay and then obviously you've got the helicopter scene now (laughs) both those scenes I I had a very similar thing when we were watching Skyscraper I've never really been one that's been bothered by heights but there was a scene in Skyscraper where he's basically hanging from the crane it, essentially he's got to do like monkey bars to get yeah. a bit and i was getting a bit like yeah, it, it's making me, feel, it's making me feel, feel a bit funny the 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 jump out of the plane um got me that that helicopter stunt jesus christ when he yeah just the watch insurance it. premium I mean, must be ridiculous just watch it but um I went to watch it again last night and my friend that I was with made a good point that it's great and everything that Tom Cruise wants to do his own stunts but he broke his ankle and they had to stop filming for two months and it's okay if you're Tom Cruise and you don't work for two months but for the rest of the cast and crew to actually not work for two months. I think they were all paid though, I don't think. Well, I, was... Yeah, but you know, there was stump what... Because that actually the... caused problems as well because Rebecca Ferguson, who's the female lead, was pregnant and by the time they came back she was visibly pregnant mm. and they had to change a lot of her scenes and like shoot her from the stomach oh, okay. up Okay, well stuff. I never... Yeah, I never... Um, notice that sometimes you can tell can't you mm. because you know about my debilitating Brooklyn Nine-Nine habit yeah 
one of the characters, one of the actresses fell pregnant during series three and you can clearly see that she's pregnant even though they're trying to like, she stands behind like cheese hampers and stuff, carries a big bag to try and hide it but she's clearly pregnant but I had no inkling that Rebecca Ferguson was pregnant at any point in that. Um, So that's getting a thumbs up from us, yeah? Oh, double thumbs up from me. I absolutely loved it. That was the last thing you saw, yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm all out of Okay, so watched. my little roundup then, since since we last saw... So the day before Hotel Artemis, I went to see one of my top three favourite films of all time, um, has had a 4K restoration. I went to see The Sound of Music, the cinema, um, and it looked amazing. It looked so, so good. Um, I love this film anyway. Uh, it has a very, very special place in my heart, but it did look absolutely incredible i think it was just on for one day i don't think if yeah, people I think are it was a one-off screening wasn't if it? people are sound of music fans you can't just like pop along and see it but i'm um, you know if if you know high definition is your thing and you love the sound of music if they're going to release that in 4k i'd definitely say it's um it's one to get it really really did look amazing on the big screen i don't think i've seen it on the big screen before um but it did the picture did look absolutely amazing um then also this month we've had a friday the 13th we have did you watch friday the 13th well i watched chase next didn't i oh okay um on friday the 13th i'm pretty sure yeah i um i had a bit of um i had a bit of a tragedy on friday the 13th because i got out my friday the 13th dvd to play and it i don't know if it's the player or whatever but it didn't play that's twice you've had that happen it must be a different player Different player, but I I actually blame the player that it was being played on. But so it, it got to a certain point, it just stopped. It was I was very really very sad. Um, but then luckily that on Netflix or Amazon I found the remake. Um, mm. So I watched the remake because it was Friday the Thirteenth. I wanted to watch a Friday the Thirteenth film, but I was won over by the fact that it had um, Sam from Supernatural yeah. in it. So it kind of like eased my pain a little bit. So I watched Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th because that's the law. Yeah. Um, uh, I then went to see Skyscraper with Terry, but I think we've heard enough about we've that. covered that. Um, then I went to see, I've also seen Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. <sighs> now Terry's not a fan. Um, I'm not a fan of ABBA, so I don't want to hear ABBA sung badly. Um, I am a huge ABBA fan um, and I am a big fan of Mamma Mia. Um, Still not seen Mamma Mia. The stage show and the film, I agree that some of the singing is not great in it. But the thing about Mamma Mia is, and Mamma Mia, here we go again. And I would possibly even go as far as to say as I might even prefer here we go again. Um they're just such amazing like feel good films and I, I don't think it's possible to come out of those films and not feel good like I really haven't felt that good coming out of the cinema since I went to see Hidden Figures and when we came out of that like the whole screen was literally like woo girl power that was a great film. Um, and it was like so uplifting but the it, it was just it was just such an absolute joy and there was just the, the story is that they kind of they go back in time and sort of tell the story a little bit so you've got Lily James James Matt playing Smith's girlfriend okay she um, she plays the young Donna so the young sort of like Meryl Streep character and then the three guys that are in the, the first film they're, they're also in the third film but they they show them in their younger forms 
Um, and that's kind of fun. And then Donna's two friends, that, you know, and everyone's, you sort of see these flashbacks and it's just really, and all the, the actors sort of like coming together is really nice. But then you you go back to like the present day and, um, and, and Cher's in the film as well. She yeah. plays like the grandmother. And honestly, when Cher rocks up and because she arrives on a helicopter, right? And you hear this helicopter and my mum was giving me, I went to see it with my mum and my mum was giving me a nudge and I don't think I've been that excited in such a long time. It was on par with, you know, how excited I got in the Expendables and the three of them were in the church together. And I was just like, I'm never going to see anything this fabulous on the screen again. I did, I saw it in Mamma Mia, here we go again, when Cher rocked up and sung Fernando and I just thought, this is it. All my gay dreams have come true. <laughs> this is the most fabulous thing I'm ever going to see. Um, there is a scene towards the end which is so well done and it's not I don't care what anyone says about like Ava and the Mamma Mia movies it is so nicely done and sad and happy at the same time and I really don't think there was like a dry eye in the screen but it was kind of a really happy scene at the same time and the, the song choice was so perfect the end credits is like this big musical ensemble of all the casts like coming together and they do a version of Super Trooper with the original cast, the younger cast and everyone says, like does a little bit and it's amazing. There's a little end credit scene. It was just perfect. I've even gone as far as giving it five stars on Letterboxd. I absolutely loved it. I'd go and watch it again in a heartbeat. When I was listening to the Komodo Mayo podcast, Mark Komodo actually said he thinks it should be available on prescription. If people go to the doctor and said, I, I'm not feeling that great, they go, I prescribe two viewings of Mamma Mia, here we go again, and you will be right as rain. And I agree. I think it's just, anyone's feeling a little bit sad to just go and watch that film. It's absolutely, I don't care if you don't like ABBA. I don't believe anyone who says they don't like ABBA. They're just listening to the wrong songs. I don't want to hear your opinions on ABBA. No, I'm, I'm just going to move on to the next film. And then I went to see Searching. Yeah, Which I couldn't is, make that. Um, that was an unlimited screening. An as well. unlimited screening, really, really good film. It's about a guy who uh, whose daughter goes missing, and the film basically plays out. It's him assisting the police in looking for her, but it's all done via um, like iPhone messaging. Yeah, and basically, FaceTime so and stuff. You you don't ever see any sort of like traditional um, like camera shots. It's all done via like FaceTime, or the the shot might be. A text message exchange and you're actually watching like you're seeing the words being typed out but you're not seeing the person actually type them out you're just seeing the words appear on the screen emails hidden cameras news reports that kind of thing it's all done like that it's all like sort of split screen you're, you're watching it almost as if you're looking at someone's laptop yeah or phone it's just like really really well done and i've seen sort of like teen horrors done like that before but yeah, not very well of, i think that's what's put me off of it a little bit um but actually it's really really good really gripping storyline um i'd really recommend it it's really really well done and then after that i went to watch mission impossible twice the second time if i'm honest it was because it was so hot and i wanted to go somewhere with air conditioning yeah um and i wanted to watch that more the than Prince Charles is doing a lot of advertising about our aircon works yeah um, so that's my sort of like three weeks in cinema viewings and obviously besides all of that the only other films I've been watching are vampire yeah. movies we've watched so a fair few vampire films we have watched us. a few vampire films between us so do you want to go first? that's our three weekly roundup. so what we did then we've obviously been watching vampire movies and we were trying to decide because the reason I put vampires in the hat was because I found I thought everyone wants to be a vampire and everyone thinks vampires are sexy apparently not but 
my love of vampires and vampire films really comes from the Lost Boys, and I thought they showed in that film that vampires are cool and sexy. That's what I think, anyway. Um, and so that then we tried to sort of come up with some lists of like favourite. We I think we were kind of driven by the sexy vampires, weren't we? we were like, who are the most sexy vampires? Yeah maybe sexy vampires but then it just became a um almost like a mission to for me anyway to watch a vampire film that was maybe just a little bit different yeah um and i think that i've managed to see some but also in amongst all of that i watched some like classics as well so the first ones that i watched or rewatched uh, that we both seen is the blade trilogy yeah, so I only managed to get one and two rewatched. And quite a lot of people don't bother with number three anyway because they say it's shite. But, um, I mean, it's much more of a comedy it. action film. Obviously, Ryan Reynolds rocking up, just spewing one-liners left, right and centre. Basically, just being Deadpool. Basically, yeah. yeah. But with a beard. Um, well, see, I thought he was quite funny and I think he's got some great... Yeah, no, so it's... Terry's written down... Terry's got some good vampire quotes. The only quote I've got written down is cock-juggling thundercunt. Yeah, that's a beauty. Which is what um, he says at one point. And also, um, you made a goddamn vampire Pomeranian. Yeah. Because I thought that was quite doggy. good. And there was a little doggy and also a, a bigger dog. And the little vampire dogs were running around, which I found quite funny. Um, but I I spoke to... Um, I was asking some people about, you know, hey, we're talking about vampire movies. What vampire movies do you like? And they were just like, do you know, I'm not, not really into vampire movies. I don't like horror movies. Oh, but I really love the Blade movies. So the Blade movies, I think, possibly cross over because people like those movies, but they don't consider them to be like horror films or that they're not no, horror they're fans. Much more but they action films. They don't, yeah. They're like, oh, I don't like horror, but I really like the Blade films because I think traditionally the Blade films are classed as horror, aren't they? Like if you were to go yeah, into a shop. Probably, yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, and I certainly file them with horror, but I, I think I file all my vampire stuff under horror. Um I really, really like the Blade films, and I even because I sat down and watched one and two, and I wanted to finish it off and watch number three. I'd probably I, it's not. It wasn't a choice to not watch three. Mm. I just ran out of time because I wanted. I deliberately left Blade till last because they're ones I watch more regularly, so I didn't mm. necessarily need. So it's like if I get time, I'll watch them. So there was other ones I prioritised as part of the rewatch, and I just didn't get to Trinity. But part of the whole um, me finding vampires sexy, one of my sort of like favourite. It's not really. Like, um, last episode, Lucy was sort of saying about how much, like, rock music and metal music and that kind of, like, scene and image go goes hand in hand with, like, vampires. There's a scene in the Blade, first Blade movie where they're, they're in, like, a club. Oh, and all the blood... And all the blood out. starts coming out, the sprinklers. And for some reason, I just I used to find that scene so, so cool. And I was just thinking, oh, wow, much if you could really go to a club like that. Um, but and also, don't you have a bit of a thing for Stephen Dorff? We'll come on to that later. <laughs> that later but yeah i um what would be your favorite blade film i really i i really like one and two um i think i like number two i'd i'd say two is yeah. my favorite two one three yeah i just like the splitty jeffrey jaws door number oh, yeah, yeah it was amazing the splitty jaws luke goss yeah yeah i really um and i sort of like the fact that it was like vampire on vampire as well yeah thought it in that sense it had a it was a little bit underworldy yeah um but yeah i really liked the sideways opening mouth jobbies um guillermo del toro film oh yeah i think i noticed that at the time 
Um, one of I've, his earlier Hollywood films. I really like the Blade trilogy. Yeah, the I first one's really fun. The first one has some CG that doesn't really stand up anymore, but I think the first one, yeah, it hasn't aged well, has it? Like, yeah, it just looks a bit naff when they're in catching places. fire. It looks like it's been done on a spectrum. I wouldn't quite say it was that bad, but yeah, I know what you mean. Oh God, we keep playing footsie under the table. Um, but yeah, I, I do enjoy the Blade movies. Uh, I think Blade's enjoyable. a good Blade is like a um, the character Blade is um, like a superhero, isn't he? Well, he literally is. It's a Marvel comic book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think Wesley Snipes is great as Blade as well. Um, random fact: he when he ended up becoming Blade, he actually went to Marvel and film studios trying to get um, Black Panther made. Interesting. And they, and they were just like, you can't make it. No, it wouldn't work. Mm. We were thinking about making Blade. Would you be interested in that instead? How that, about that? Yeah. History could have been very different. It could have been, yeah. And even Chris Christopherson rocking up as well as his, as his mate. I quite enjoyed. Yeah. But no, yeah, they're just very enjoyable. Mm. Even for the non-horror slash non-vampire fans. Yeah. Apparently so. Tell me about one that you've seen. Uh, so... I mean, we'll, we'll get straight on to my Kex file so it's a bit of a embarrassing because, Kex file for well, me well no it's not necessarily because it, it leads quite nicely in because the next film that I saw actually went actually goes goes in with your Kex file but go on so yeah my Kex file was Interview with the Vampire mm. so I think I'd seen bits of it but I'd never sat down and fully watched it from start to finish um, obviously loved it thought it was really really good um, I think the stat Tom Cruise's Lestat is absolutely phenomenal. As we were talking in the first pod, like about the sort of the seduction of it, the just like oh, I mean, I can't read my notes because things like I've just got like here like the words I've got written down like lush, extravagant. Mm. It's just very very opulent, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like velour, velvet, all the frilly collars. Yeah. It's just very. I mean, it's not even OTT. It is just like you say opulent. It's just like they were living a high life, and yeah. it's just it really comes across that you see vampire films where it's like oh yeah they're living in squalor they're just sort of getting by whereas Lestat and Louis are, are living it up mm. obviously Louis is a bit of a pansy and doesn't drink blood at the start Sonny was cocked an eyebrow like that but yeah Lestat is just because in a way he's an absolute bastard but he's a, horrible yeah but then he's also obviously got this side that people like about him and obviously just very manipulative obviously the way he turns Kirsten Dunst almost to sort of get at Louis and then the way he treats Kirsten Dunst <clears throat> throughout the film, it's just, you know, I just thought it was a phenomenal film. As I say, it's just, and I love the whole, as Lucy was saying, like the whole dead blood thing. So mm. you've got obviously the Lestat, the way they try and off Lestat, I think is just the way that goes. As I say, I th- again, I think there was like shit got given to Tom Cruise about it again for his casting for Lestat because no one thought he was Lestat. But. I just can't imagine anyone else in that role. Mm. I mean, it's, the one thing with Tom Cruise, I'll say, I love it, he doesn't really do acting that much anymore. He's like an action man now. So, mm. like, you could pretty much say every character, like, Reacher could be Ethan Hunt, Ethan Hunt could be Reacher. Mm. Whereas, like, you go back to them when he's making things like Interview with the Vampire, Magnolia, where he's actually becoming different characters. And I feel like he's just phenomenal in that film. I, um, yeah, I agree. I really really love interview of the vampire um it's probably one of my favorites um i i love the way it looks i love the cast i just i just really really love it um and i i really like louis in it as well 
um, Brad Pitt's character. Um, but then my Kex file, if you like, yeah. um, was Queen of the Damned, which, which was is the a sequel. which was the follow-on. Um, Some like fifteen to twenty years later. Because Lestat is um, is because he's a vampire, so he doesn't age. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. But um, it's not played by Tom Cruise anymore. He's played by Stuart Townsend. Yeah, I don't really know who that is. He I is the guy who was cast as Aragorn and then was like left two days into filming because he was too young and was yeah, replaced by saying. Vigo. That, ooh, no, 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 no. But um, so this was. Um, this was an interesting one to watch. I, I'd always sort of like planned to watch Queen of the Damned from a very sort of like morbid point of view. It's because it's got Arlia in it. Yeah. And obviously she she died right after filming this um, film. And a little interesting fact, which I found out about this, was some of her um, dialogue had to be um, dubbed um, because they hadn't quite finished um, all the stuff. Obviously because she passed away they couldn't do it but then her brother they got her oh, brother yeah, to yeah, do it because he was like um tonally he was the closest person to her um voice but um if i'm honest i thought she was pretty terrible in the film i don't think there's um, anything good about this film well, i i think there's something good about this film so what i didn't realize and i don't know why i didn't know this was that jonathan davis from corn um, oh yeah 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 did the music for this film which i, I had no idea. And it's Lestat's singing voice. Yeah, and it's Lestat's singing voice. So you've got this Stuart Townsend miming to Jonathan Davis. Now, if you're a Jonathan Davis and or Corn fan, Jonathan Davis's voice is so unique. <laughs> the only person I think that can get away with singing with that voice is yeah. Jonathan Davis. The big problem so is when he's singing, you look at it, you're going, your body posture just doesn't match the it's singing just at all. So wrong. It's so wrong. Um, for me. Just get Jonathan Davis to be Lestat. <laughs> um, but Jonathan Davis obviously doesn't know. He's not got quite got the look, is he? Um, but the, he did have a little... Um, he did crop up in the film. He was trying to sell some tickets for a gig. Like So a little bit later on in the film, we do actually see Jonathan Davis trying to sell some gig tickets, um, which I quite liked. And then what I found was quite interesting because um, I, was, I was having a listen to the soundtrack, but it's got loads of other people doing the songs. But apparently for contractual reasons, Jonathan Davis was allowed to... Put, record the songs and have them be in the film but wasn't able to release them as the soundtrack yeah. so you can't get them in CD form with him singing them so you've got other people singing them um, Chester from um, Linkin Park does one of the songs um, so that's quite nice and various other I think Marilyn does a couple um, Guy from Static X does some so I mean someone like the guy from you know Marilyn or Static the guy from Static X could have done those vocals and I think we could have got away with that yeah. that nondescript actor maybe miming to one of their voices I just think of all the voices they yeah. could have picked and I think that Jonathan Davis's songs that he wrote for the film are brilliant but my god I, I think what struck me most about the film what upset me most about that film was I realised that I absolutely will not stand for anyone else singing Jonathan Davis songs except for Jonathan Davis um, but Essentially, I thought Queen of the Damned was a pile of poop. Yeah. Um, so just to cover the plot, because we've just got on to ranting about it, the stat... I was going to cover, cover the plot, oh, but you so can do it. The stat has... Has he woken up from a long sleep? I can't quite remember. He's been away for a while, and for some reason he's decided he's going to become a rock star. And, that's... and his music awakens Arlia's character, yeah. who's been dead for, what, centuries? Yeah, she's like an Egyptian-esque... Vampire, yeah. One of the originals... Um, and his rock music wakes her up from her like slumber 
um, which is a hilarious idea. Um, But yeah, it's just it's just really naff and cringy. The the effects of like when the vampires are fighting each other, they go into this weird sort of blurred motions to try and make them look like they're moving quicker, but they actually just look like they're being idiots. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it at all. Um, So yeah, watching Interview with a Vampire probably don't bother with Queen of the Damned. No. And if and if that was her sort of like parting bit of work, I'm sorry, Arlea, but that was that was a stinker. You should have stuck to the singing. Yeah. Um what else did I tell you, what about if we talk about one that we both we both seen, Stakeland? Because I yeah. thought of the sort of like newer vampire films that were out. I quite liked Stakeland. So yeah, so I really I think I'm sure we've watched it together like ages ago. I've only seen it once. Okay. I've definitely I own it. And I rewatched it. Um, it's a weird one for me because obviously it is vampires, but for me, it had a real zombie feel to it. Because mm. in this, like the vampires, they're not like talkative; they're like visceral beasts. They're mm. not. If you turn, you just become a horrendous, non-thinking. You just eat everything in sight and hide during the daylight. So it's got a very dark tone to it. It's got a very we're fucked tone to it. There's not. A, there's no hope in this. No one's even got a character name. You've, the main character's just called Mister. Yeah, the he, boy's got a name, though, hasn't he? I don't know. I mean, possibly, but yeah. like you've got Mister and Sister, haven't you? Yeah, Mister and Sister, and it's uh, Mister ends up. And one of the things as well that stood up to me. So we we start with the young boy, and we see his family getting killed, and we actually see like a zombie slash vampire eating a baby, mm. which you don't often see. They'll imply, but mm. you literally see it stood there eating the baby, which I was just like. And that just sets the tone for it being a very different kind of film. And it's... I don't think we even see a lot of daylight, do we? We don't even see them in the day. It's almost entirely at night, even though you would have daylight stuff. But no, I thought it was really, really good. Stood up for me for the second view. But yeah, just so dark and so... I mean, I don't think it's particularly gory, but it's just very in your face. I Do you know what it really reminded me of? Walking Dead. That's what I mean. It's like got a yeah. real zombie vibe yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah, Um it could have been like you know vampires or zombies i just mm. i just liked it because it was just sort of like the guy was just getting on with it wasn't it yeah this this was this and this is a um a case of a definitely not a sexy vampire film oh god no it's a survival film yeah um i really really liked that um so i watched one that was a little bit um different i was um, I was out and I was um, looking on it was Netflix or Amazon or whatever so I wasn't at home I didn't have my DVDs to go through and, um, and I was flicking through to see what sort of like vampire films I were and there weren't many that I hadn't seen but I stumbled on Eat Locals have you seen that? No. I can really really recommend that it's like a British um, comedy horror really really liked it and I'm just trying to look up the guy who directed it um, it's got Dexter Fletcher in it um and it's got Nessa from Gavin and Stacey so we mentioned that um on the last pod um it's got um one of the girls who was it's got a couple of people from Doctor Who in it so Jason Fleming um directed it so it's got a British cast um Facing difficult times and with their glory days long gone, eight undisputed British vampire overlords gather up for their semi-centennial meeting. However, before the break of dawn, there will be blood and corpses, lots of them. Um, it's just really enjoyable, really funny, and just... just I, mean, I don't normally gravitate towards horror comedy. I don't yeah. f- 
find that it's always very well done. Um, oh, but it's got a good cast, isn't it's it? It's really good. Like definitely good. It's got five point two on IMDb. I just think that's too low. It's too low. It's 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 really really well done. I I'll be honest. I saw it. Um, I've seen the DVD like for sale, and it's got one of those covers that looks really cheap and shit. I think. Yeah. You know when you just see some films, you just think, oh, the picture quality is not going to be that great. Mm. But no, decent. Had some laugh out loud moments in it. I definitely give it a watch. I'll keep an eye out for that. You do that. Um. Give us another one, Terry. So I also watched Daybreakers. I've not seen that. So again, another film that I have seen and rewatched. Um, I mean, a lot of these films I did rebuy, but most of them were 50p in Kex. So if you are a vampire fan or you want to get into vampire films, based on what we say, just go on down to Kex because they're all dirt cheap. Um, so this is a slightly different vampire film. So this is a film where vampires have taken over the world um, and they are the dominant species. We don't really see a lot of humans and it's... The problem they've got is because there's not many humans, they're running out of blood. Mm. And Ethan Hawke's character... You nearly called him Hunt then, didn't you? I did, yes. Ethan Hawke's character is like a scientist who's trying to develop like a fake blood to help his species survive. Maybe I have seen this. He doesn't like being a vampire. He doesn't drink human blood. He drinks animal blood. Uh, Sam Neill is like the head of the company. Um, The humans they have got are kept like in sort of vacuum packs and they're just sort of drained and they're kept alive just to replenish the blood um and basically a small band of humans cross paths with ethan hawk so the other thing that's happening is where vampires aren't getting as much blood as they want they're becoming what you'd call like stereotypical vampires that we have so they're becoming much more bat-like their ears are elongating they're becoming again they're becoming like thoughtless creatures creatures yeah rather than just everyone else is just they've got pointy teeth and they drink blood Mm. um there's some really cool tech in it, so they've all got like fancy cars that you can drive in the day because they're completely blacked out I and they've got I cameras. Have seen this. Yeah, I mean it's quite an old film. And then William Dafoe turns up, and he is a human, but he was a vampire, and he's somehow been cured of his vampirism. And they sort of get Ethan Hawke to come and help because he's a scientist to try and help spread this cure. Hmm. Um, and then say it's very action orientated, but there is some good moments in it, and it has one of the best quotes so there's a bit where they take Ethan Hawke back to their lair the humans take him back to their lair um, and obviously he's a bit worried that will we get found because like the vampires are coming for us so he says is this place safe William Defoe's character comes back with living in a world where vampires are the dominant species is about as safe as bareback in a five dollar haul well just stood out for me I bet but- it did <laughs> But no, it's a very good film. Say very stereotypical vampires. They don't like sunlight. They don't like steaks. Um, and yeah, it's just it's got a sort of matrixy look to it. I think some people have referred like on the cover at first. It was like Matrix meets blah 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 blah. Yeah. But it's got that sort of it's got a very sort of dark tint to the whole film. But no, very enjoyable. It's only I about, think I've seen it's it. It's only about you? ninety minutes. Oh, well. lovely. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, something which I forgot to mention earlier. I'm just going back to our uh, weekly roundup considering how much we both love Mission Impossible 2 it's two and a half hours long oh it whipped by though, it did it? whip by didn't it yeah. um, I was surprised by that um, oh I wondered why you were waving at me um, so another one which I watched which I had not seen before um, that's the cat um, Near Dark have so, you yeah, seen that I 
I have vague memories of starting to watch it when I used to work at HMV, mm. but the TV being because it's quite a dark film, isn't it? Like in a in the literal sense, mm. the picture is dark. But we had a shit little like fourteen inch telly, and I just wasn't getting the vibe, so I turned it off, and I've not might, gone back to it. Might it. have been the telly, but um, I I picked up from Kex a number of years ago a really nice uh, vampire box set called The Box of Blood, um, and I might take a picture of it and post it on our. It's got site a lovely front cover because it's got like um, this like liquid in the cover, which is supposed to look like blood. Um, but Near Dark is one of the films that's in the box, um, and it I gave one that I wanted to watch as part of this. Um, and I gave it a watch. Um, I think it's set in the eighties, and it's basically about a group of. They, I mean, they just seem like a bunch of a group of a, a ragtag bunch, if you like. Mm. Um, and they do look like they've been sort of like sleeping rough, and they haven't got any money, and they they basically look like they're homeless. Uh, they are homeless. They seem to like move around in um, like RVs and stuff. Um, and anyway, this one of them's a, a girl, like I guess a young girl in her 20s. And what I quite liked about this, and I watched this with Lucy, it was that the girl turned the guy. Oh, that's so there's a guy in it, and she's not like, and she resisted at first. They, you know, they clearly sort of like liked each other and they wanted like a little kiss and stuff like this. And, and she ends up turning him, and the rest of her sort of like group, if you like, are really mad at her for doing it. And they're just like, well, you've got to look after him and stuff like that. And she's like, I'll take care of him, I'll take care of him. And then. Um, long story short he ends up being cured and I think they might cure her as well mm. um, but they there's nothing sexy about these vampires at all they look like they haven't washed in ages they look like they've been living rough they just look really grim and horrible um, but another thing which I noticed as we get towards the end of the film is I don't think we saw one set of fangs the no. whole time um, which is just obviously like another one of those things when you think vampires you think okay when are we going to see the fangs I don't recall seeing any like fangs or anything like that um, at all during the film but it was just it just so happened that this group of bad people if you like that were just like a gang that you didn't want to fall in with just happened to be vampires as well. yeah. they've got a car or they steal cars and they black out I think they put like tin foil up at the windows yeah I have a vague be... memory of like the car everything's just really fucking shoddy in it but they've somehow survived all this time so like the main like the main I guess like the leader of the gang is like hundreds of years old and I think I mentioned this in the last pod and he's turned this woman and they decide to be like a couple she just looks like some skanky hoe. Do you know what I mean? From yeah. a trailer park. But he's turned her reasonably recent. But he's been around for hundreds of years. And he just picked this skanky looking woman up and kind of gone, hey, I'm going to hang out with you for the foreseeable. Do you know what I mean? One of the vampires is a is a boy. But when he's, he introduces himself, he's clearly got, because he's obviously been around for so many years, he's obviously very intelligent and has mm. got his kind of like world experience. And he's basically saying, don't let my appearance fool you. I'm not like, some dumb kid. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, I quite liked it in the sense that it was a female vampire turning a male character, um, which you don't see as much. Um, and the fact that they all just look like grotty as fuck. Um, yeah. And I just liked it. I just thought it was a little bit different. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a decent watch. Uh, so I also watched John Carpenter's Vampires. I don't think I've seen that. Uh, so that stars James Woods. I've definitely have seen that. As a vampire that. hunter. Um, so... James Wood is a vampire hunter he's got his group the opening scene is them like taking down they refer to it as a hive um, they have quite a unique way of Maybe killing them to. so in this one the vampires are a bit different so sunlight kills them or you cut off their head and then you hmm. set fire to them 
staking doesn't really work silver doesn't work. it will hurt them but it's not going to take them down yeah so what they do is they have like a car that has a winch on the front they attach the winch to a bow and arrow he shoots them with an arrow and then they drag them out of the houses or out of the ground into the sun and then they burn up which sounds kind of cool but you've got to keep running that winch back in haven't you to be able to keep pulling them in just yeah to, um but it this seems is, like a very extravagant way of doing it there must yeah. be a simpler way you'd have thought so yeah um but this is so again he takes down a hive they're sort of like he works for the church and he's like highly paid and it sort of then cuts them all having a party because they've just taken down this hive and then he's not dracula in this film but he's like the head vampire the original vampire i can't remember what his name is begins with a v he turns up kills his entire crew he manages to get away with his life and then it's like him going after this guy for vengeance and again it's like there's a different backstory to where this vampire has come from it explains why he's a vampire what happened to make him a vampire why he drinks blood why he doesn't like crosses um, i won't go into it because it's spoiler territory but the film itself is kind of generic in the sort of the way it works the kills but i just really enjoyed the different backstories you say like so i'm finding something that's a bit different mm. um, i mean he's very generic looking as a as a dracula type character wears a long black coat he's got long fingernails bit mm. of a long hair very much fanged vampires but i mean there's a bit where he literally cuts someone in half with his hands okay um he's like got brute brute strength it has a Baldwin in it. I can't remember which one. It's not Alec. Um, but yeah, no, just enjoyable film. So obviously it's a John Carpenter film. So there's some good scares in there. There's some good visuals in there. Um, I'm not a massive James Wood fan, but he's actually quite good in mm. this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it, I'm he's, he's a bit of a pompous twat, but that sort of plays into the character in okay. this because he just thinks he knows best. Um, but yeah, no, just yeah, very enjoyable. Um, and then I wanted to watch some of the... Um, some of the ones that were based on the Bram Stoker story and I in my box of blood Terry was talking about um, had I watched Nosferatu and I I was just like yeah I definitely have and he's like um, but I was getting it confused with the remake yeah and Terry was talking so about Nosferatu and Nosferatu the vampire um, but Terry was talking about the original silent one so I watched um, I borrowed his copy I watched the original silent I watched the Bella Lugosi 30s version and then I watched uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula which all sort of like cover the same um, story Um, and I it was like watching the the silent one and the Bela Lugosi one was called like what was like watching an abridged version Um, because obviously they're much shorter um, but as I was I quite s- surprised how long Nosferatu was because it? it's still like an hour and a half I didn't realise silent yeah. films from the 20s were that long yeah um, what I found um I mean, I, I just, I just think it had a charm. Like we were saying, like in the in the last one, like Lucy was telling us that the 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 book um, is written like as diary entries, so to try and film that was quite difficult. But I think because of because of the nature of silent films and they have a lot of text coming up on the screen to tell you what's happening, some of the text is actually just diary entries. So yeah. it, I think it works quite well. What I liked about the um, the Bella Lugosi one is it's not silent but it's still a very quiet film and apparently it came when it came out it was around the time that like music in films was quite like a new phenomenon so they didn't have sort of like scores or background music as such because it was felt that if they suddenly started playing music in a scene that the audience would be like well hang on a minute where's that music coming from and who's playing it and why is it playing whereas now we kind of expect 
that there's some kind of background music. Um, so it was still quite quiet. And I thought it had like a little element of, I think because of its age and it's got like a, although, because you said it's like definitely not scary, but I've seen some people it's have sort of... just creepy, I Yeah, think. like people have, some people have said that they do find that to be like the scariest version of um of I mean, when he's Dracula. creeping into the bedroom and it's because it's very well played with the shadows and his mm. long fingers, mm. it is very unsettling. But I don't know, say that, like, have it for me, scary is something that after you watch it, you're still scared. Give you the creeps. Whereas that was creepy when I watched it. I found the whole film quite creepy though, like, with a silent film. Of, oh, I was talking about Bella Lugosi's. Oh, sorry, I was talking about Nosferatu. Um, I think that the Nosferatu one is creepy as well because yeah. of his like the way the character looks yeah. but with regards to the way they were filmed because their age and the way they were filmed sort of like the um like the the ghost scenes and yeah. they kind of like have they obviously got like an overlay of film but yeah. i just still think it looks quite cool it just yeah. still looks quite good um and i would i would still pick either one of those two over bram stoker's dracula which i really don't rate at all did you watch the remake of nosferatu as well no I have seen it before, but yeah. I didn't really watch it for this. I didn't enjoy that as much as the thing. I thought, so Klaus Kinski is the guy playing mm. Nosferatu. He has a really creepy voice, like very quiet, very... And there's a really... The one bit I did really like, there's a bit where we actually see him sucking blood. Because I don't think in Nosferatu, the original, you actually see it. No. I guess because it would have been too graphic. But it's just the way... So he's again got the two front teeth of his... Um, fangs. Fangs. But he's like suck he's drinking above whereas now you see like it's like a really almost passionate kiss into the neck this is almost like he's got a straw in his mouth and he's just, he's just going mm. and i thought that was just a very interesting way to do it rather than it being this, quite like, bat-like yeah exactly um but yeah i found the original Sprite just creepy from the outset just because it's a silent film and i think it's a strange film to talk about in comparison to Nosferatu, but um Oh, what's the fucking name of it? Singing in the Rain. Obviously, that's about a film star who's a silent film star becoming a film star in the talking times. Mm. And he's like almost laughed at because his voice is shit and everything. So with Nosferatu, they're obviously overacting because you can't hear them. So they're being very over the top and mm. not being used to that. Even like the Hutter, Hutter, who's like the good guy, Jonathan Harker, if you're doing the Drac- the Dracula names everything he does when he smiles I think it looks so creepy and it's like with the way we are now you're almost thinking oh no he's actually the bad guy mm. obviously back then he was clearly the good guy but now where you're used to twists and stuff yeah. and like the guy I don't know what they call him in that but the Renfield character he looks fucking maniacal mm. and like really really creepy and I just felt like the whole thing and the way as well I don't know if you've read the trivia on IMDb for it but they tinted some of it blue to show that that was at night because otherwise it was just all looked exactly the I same. I wondered why it kept changing colour. Yeah, so the colour meant it was night time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, I just found it... So I have seen Bella Lugosi's Dracula and I did. I enjoyed it, but again, it didn't scare me. It was just, I mm. thought... I did think Bella Lugosi was a very good Dracula. He, mm. was, he had the seductive side, whereas yeah. obviously Nosferatu doesn't necessarily have that. But I do have a lot of love for Bram Stoker's Dracula. I think it is crap, but I feel like... Like the again, the aesthetic of it, the look of it is mm. very again like luxurious, extravagant. Like Gary Oldman's outfits when he's like the young Dracula, mm. I think, are amazing. I really like the whole 
sort of feel when you're in his castle in Transylvania, so like where his shadow is moving independently of his body mm. and he's like crawling up the walls. And there's a bit where Keanu's shaving and he comes in. And if you notice, the walls move. No. During that whole scene, the walls are slowly moving in so that as it gets more and more tense with the shave, mm. it's getting more and more claustrophobic. Because that scene where he turns around and licks the blade is yeah. so grim, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, apparently, as well, according to IMDb, he was pissed as a fart doing that scene as well. <laughs> just as a little sad. But yeah, I just felt like... So like you say, Keanu Reeves, horrendously miscast. Winona Ryder, well over the top. I think Gary Oldman's good in it. I think everyone... I think Anthony Hopkins is a bit off mm. as Van Helsing, but just the look of it, the effects of it, I th- I just think it looks really good. Like the bits where like Dracula's eyes are in the sky. It's like it's well, very I, over yeah. the top, but I just really like it. One of the scenes that I liked, you were saying about how how good it looked, and like the costumes and stuff. Um, Winona Ryder's friend in it, the one Sadie who gets Frost off Mina. Um, no, Lucy. Sorry. The way she, um, when she gets bitten and she's she goes out walking in the garden and yeah. and, and a flowing vampire's red. Head. She's got that like red dress nighty thing on and. Um, Dracula's there but he's like a hairy beast isn't yeah. he he's kind of like over her biting her and I thought that scene was very striking um, really really good um, sorry we're hitting the microphones tonight like yeah. nobody's business um, but yeah they were the kind of like I decided to watch a, like a batch of like the tradition or the the, the Bram Stoker story yeah. that we know to just sort of like compare them um, but yeah but then I um, like evened it all out and watched The Lost Boys. Um, I didn't get to answer rewatch because, that I, as I said in the last one, it's it's probably my favourite vampire movie, and it's easily so stylized. Easily in, the 80s. in my like top t- top twenty films probably ever. Probably not top ten. That's probably pushing it. It was probably like maybe I would say probably top eleven, top eleven or twelve. Yeah. Um, it's the film that made me think that vampires were sexy and cool and I I, I mean you can't really... argue with Kiefer Sutherland in that leather uh, jacket just I just love it just like the soundtrack's great the story's great it's got a great like setting you know but you know they're at the fucking like not not fun fair like theme park slash fun fair every of. night yeah it's just nice and creepy they're just like a horrible gang that you'd cross the road to avoid and um, you know, and that sort of um, they're, they're like hideout where they live. I think is supposed to be like an old church or something that's like yeah. sunk into the rocks, and it just looks like really cool. And my oh God, I wanted to be them when I was young. I it wanted to be so star so much. Her star's whole look and just the way she looks and the clothes she wears and everything. I just thought, oh God, she's so cool. What I found was really interesting when when I rewatched it because this is one of those films where where they go vampire their faces change yeah. but you never see star go ugly do you no so you see the guys get uglied up but you never see star go ugly um what else did you watch uh, so just to shout out that nathan called out lost boys as his favorite vampire yeah film. i did see that and i thought um, you know me and nathan were pretty much you know like yeah. that yeah i'm crossing my fingers you can't see that uh, so another film I watched so I mean it's got Dracula in the title but it's not really just traditional so Dracula 2001 I haven't seen this this is one with um, Johnny Lee Miller Johnny Lee Miller where he yeah. plays a cockney antiques dealer um, is it like Lovejoy not quite oh. uh, so Christopher Plummer is playing your standard Van Helsing character but it's sort of at a time where he's just he's also just an antiques dealer hmm. and then people try and break into his personal vault because oh he's got this personal vault there must be rich untold riches inside it is a coffin 
They steal the coffin. Lo and behold, Dracula is in the coffin. Strangely, Dracula played by Gerard Butler before he was like mega famous. Um, and then it becomes a bit more of a traditional like vampire story of Van Helsing. Then so they end up in America, so they go to America, etc. Did it come um, out in 2001? Is that why it's got that title? Yes, because okay. it was originally called Dracula 2000, but it was delayed. Oh. <laughs> um, but it's just... It's is that co- true? Yeah. I like um, it. In some places, it's still called Dracula 2000. It's like got a double title, but it's it's kind of crap, but I just really like it. You've got the sort of brides of Dracula coming into it again. So you've got Jerry Ryan, who was seven of nine in Star Trek Voyager, who is a very beautiful woman. Jennifer mm. Esposito, she's another one. Um... But it's just so it's the story is that Dracula's back and there's this one it's got an end of days rub. There's this one woman on the earth who is right for him to be able to like she was born a vampire rather than being made a vampire and he wants her and it's them trying to stop him getting to her but she's drawn to him because of like their blood link because he's the original vampire. And again what I really like is this gives another take on again why he's a vampire, where it came from, why he doesn't like crucifix, why he doesn't like silver, why he doesn't like sunlight. Mm. And, I mean, this one has a very religious overtone to it in a strange way because most of it isn't. But yeah, I really like the backstory in this. Um, And again, it's not necessarily a good quote, but it's just a random quote that Johnny Lee Miller gets to rattle off. As I've obviously said, he's an antique stealer. He kills a vampire and he shouts, never ever fuck with an antique stealer. But obviously okay. in, a, in a lovely Cockney accent. How is his Cockney accent? Not bad. It it's it sounds forced. Where's he actually from? I think he's just like English. Because he's he's not Cockney in elementary, but no. his accent's all right. No, I think he's just like plain English. Mm. But yeah, for some reason he's going Cockney in that. Um, but yeah, say so it's just it's one it's one of the probably my most watched vampire film because it's just say so it's really schlocky. There's bits where obviously it's set in the modern day, so there's bits where he sneaks up on people because they're like looking in cameras and stuff. Like there's a bit where Jerry Ryan is being filmed because she's a news reporter mm. and you're watching it through the camera and all of a sudden she starts going, ah, and then you come away from the camera and you can see that Dracula's there like holding her. So mm. sort of, again, like a nice interesting take on the whole sort of technology and vampires. Cause obviously in some law, vampires don't appear in mirrors, etc. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just... So an interesting take on the vampire myth and just enjoyable film. Um, right, so the last one that I watched as part of my vampire binge watching, I think probably of all the ones, because I really enjoyed Near Dark because I didn't think it was very sort of like typical. I think you, they just happened to be vampires. Um, but it wasn't sort of like really overdoing the whole vampire thing. So Lucy and I watched a film the other day, but probably of all the films I've watched, with the exception of Lost Boys, it was probably my favourite one. And it's A Girl Walks a Home the girl walks home alone at night i've heard of it but i've not seen it it's so so good so it's the first um like middle eastern um vampire film that's ever been made i think it's Is set it black and white? yes is it black and white all the way through yeah i think it is black and white all the way through so it's set in iran i think yeah i think it's iran or iran um even though it's filmed like somewhere in the states i think but anyway it's Middle Eastern film. So you've got this um, this girl in it who's who's a vampire. Um, and f- I won't go into all the ins and outs of it because I do think it's definitely worth a watch. And it's very sort of like subtle. It's very quiet as well, which is like really, really cool. But there's 
so she she meets this guy at a party um and it's a fancy dress party and he happens to be dressed as dracula which is is kind of fun because she's actually a vampire um and she no they don't meet at the party he's walking home um at night yeah <laughs> he's walking home and they they end up meeting and he's dressed as uh, dracula and anyway so you know the story just they basically develop this relationship even though you never like by the time the film ends it's clear that they're in a relationship even though you never see them like kiss or hold hands or have sex or anything like that and she doesn't turn she doesn't bite him but you know other stuff haven't i kind of felt like by the time it finished i felt like she was like a robin hood of vampires yeah but there was one really cool part and she's she stops there's this like local kid that's always hanging around and she stops him and she's just like you're a good boy he he says something back and she's just like i'm always watching you but she nicks his skateboard and so she's and she's dressed in all the sort of like traditional sort of like middle east and she wears this long like black almost Mm. like a cape which makes her look like a superhero and she's got like the head covering and stuff um but she rides this skateboard so she's and then so the, the the it's like the cape is blowing in the wind behind her but um, I read on the trivia afterwards that actually the the scenes of her on the skateboard is actually the, is actually the director of the movie and she is a skateboarder, so the scenes of the the lead character on the skateboard is actually the director, uh, which I thought was a fun little fact. Um, but a girl walks home alone at night is just a nice um, subtle vampire movie, and I just think it's a really nice sort of like modern take on it. It's not yeah. all like fangs and blood and sex and sexy times it's just it's almost like this just this girl trying to survive and she happens to be a vampire when she meets a boy that she likes Mm. you know and it's just i just thought it was really good i think it's definitely worth a watch um but then i'm and that's that's all the vampire films i watched i'm all vampired out well i've got a couple i mean i know there's a couple that you'll be able to talk about so obviously you said there about how it's subtle it's restrained so let's talk about From Dusk Till Dawn, which oh, is anything but. Anything but subtle and restrained. So Did you rewatch it? I've rewatched it. So obviously, watched it many years ago. And it's, I almost kind of feel like it's almost a spoiler to talk about it as a vampire film because vampires don't turn up until an hour into the film. Mm. And you almost forget. And when they do. Because I can remember so the first time I watched it, I had no idea it had vampires in it. Like oh, really? Way back when it was like with my mum and dad. I mean, it would have been just after it came out, which I think was mid 90s. So I would, have been like, I would have been like 10, 11, 12. I went to the cinema to see this. And yeah, I just remember like, it's this, it's this, it's this. And then it just fucking goes to absolute hell. And it's just mental, but it is brilliant. Again, we talked about these are the, when they become vampires, they completely change. For some reason, they'll get really thick necks. <laughs> um,. 1996 yes yeah, so I would have been 12 when it came out so it would have been a blockbuster jobby so mm. maybe like 13 14 by that um but no, again as we said George Clooney in one of his earlier films and I think probably Quentin Tarantino's best acting role mm. he's actually I mean he plays a fucking weirdo character which I think helps helps him along the way mm. but great cast again obviously Harvey Keitel's in it as well Juliette Lewis and Selma Hayek is like I don't know if she's even the head vampire, but she's like the main no, dancer, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, I would say she's the head vampire, um, but she's just, she's just one of the vampires, But I'd say she? the first half of the film is just, you've got George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino, who are, I can't remember their names. 
Seth is Quentin Tarantino, like, isn't it? No, Seth, I think, is Clooney. Is that? Um, but the Gecko Brothers, that's, that's what I think. So they're the Gecko Brothers. They're on the run. They end up... Oh, yeah, Seth is... They end up commandeering Harvey Keitel and his two adopted children's RV to get them across the border into Mexico because Quentin Tarantino's character is a bit weird and keeps killing people despite mm. the fact he doesn't need to. They get across the border and they have to go and meet They take up. refuge, don't they, in like a bar. Yeah, so they're waiting to meet whoever the, ge- the geckos have done this bank job and they have to give a cut to this big boss and they arrange to meet at a bar called the Titty Twister. Um which is open from dusk till dawn, where the film gets its title. And as we say, they're in there, they're having a lovely time, and then the doors get locked, and everyone turns into a vampire, mm. and it just then becomes it's like carnage. this utter carnage mental survival film. Luckily, Harvey Keitel is a priest, so he can start knocking out holy water left, right, and centre. But it's just over the top, ridiculous, brilliant action. It up that first hour, it's like a it's a decent sort of thriller and then it just becomes balls to the wall action just li- th- yeah. no holds barred um i i really really love it um i really think it's a great film i for me it's like almost like watching a comic book come to life yes 100% um i i love i love the story i love the way it's done i think the soundtrack is incredible this is the I've got the soundtrack. I listen to it a lot, and it's this is the soundtrack that made me. Uh, I discovered Stevie Ray Vaughan um, from this soundtrack. And when they're in the club, in the clubs, like the the Titty Twister, when they go in there, I mean, it just seems like really cool. I mean, judging from the name, there's topless dancers, isn't yeah. there? And then obviously Salma Hayek's character come out, comes out, and you know she's in, she's just introduced as the most evil woman known to man, yeah. and she essentially just comes on stage and just does a sexy dance, and it's she just does. like. What's she gonna do? Kill them with her dancing? Mariachi band that become vampires and, and explode. Yeah, and then at the end when they do, they're like, now let's kill that fucking band. And um, and they're all like at the end of it, all their instruments have like turned into bodies. Yeah. They're suddenly playing bodies, aren't they? Um, I just think the um, like the makeup and everything, the way the vampires look, like so when they these turn... vampires are very once they become vampires, they have no control over themselves. Like they just have yeah. to kill the it, humans. It, it's it's another one of those um. I, I described one of the scenes that Lucy was talking about earlier just one of the films and I said it turned into almost like an orgy yeah um, it, which she might have even because she mentioned From Dust Till Dawn I mean for, I, for, for me as well From Dust Till Dawn is one of those films I've watched it so many times um, I, just, I, I really really do think it's a great great vampire movie I, mean, I do remember going to the cinema when, when it came out there was a group of us went to see it and I remember the cinema being packed out and there were some people who were just like what the fuck are we watching yeah like some people like you say had no idea what it was going to be like and some people thought it was shit but other people were just like this is genius this is brilliant yeah no i, I really really it. rate from dust till dawn did you ever see the tv series i started watching it yeah get and i've also there's two sequels and they're dog shit oh yeah i think i saw the second one because it's got um robert patrick's danny, in one of them isn't danny Trejo in? he's in the first one yeah but isn't he in the second one as well he, he dies in the first one, so maybe not. Um, he might be playing a different I might character. Just be thinking of someone else, yeah. Um, yeah, because the TV show wasn't the first. The first episode or the first couple of ep- or the first series might have just been basically a serialized version yeah. of the film, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I just couldn't get into the yeah. uh, series. I just think those are two brothers as well. You got those two sort of like very, certainly George Clooney, a very iconic 
actor and then Quentin Tarantino really is an iconic director isn't he but you've got those two very iconic men playing those two brothers and I just don't really think anyone else could pull it off and yeah a rare film with George Clooney with dark hair not his silver fox he's actually got black hair oh yeah I hadn't really thought about that and of course the uh, fabulous tattoo which I talked about which in real life I would find horribly naff but apparently that tattoo was George Clooney's idea as well that wasn't I love the way it goes up his neck yeah um and he points the gun there's the bit in it when he says about everybody is it everybody be cool yeah you basically cool. like the rip off on pulp fiction yeah but it's just the way he says it and his voice oh yeah he's, he's not a, a he's voice. he's not a vampire but if he was one he'd fall into the sexy vampire category oh 100 percent mm, defo uh so what else did i watch so 30 days of night i'm surprised Another. you didn't re-watch that one with you'd it having your I love would. in it yeah you'd think i would but i was trying to watch ones that i hadn't seen with the exception of lost boys and blade yeah, so this film, again, it's very... It was are, on the pile to watch. Yeah, it's I just on Netflix out, as well. Just run out of date. Yeah, but if I own it, I like to watch the disc. I um, swear. I like to listen to CDs as well. Yeah, so these aren't sexy vampires. These are proper... I mean, these are, I think... But it the has idea got a sexy is, Melissa George Yeah, the, the idea is that they're all like very old, ancient vampires. They speak their own language, mm. which isn't even subtitled most of the time, I don't think. They just sort of do this horrible screech and they've got an entire set of pointy teeth they don't have fangs and the whole they, they, these guys were specifically the ones I was thinking about when I was asking about the teeth in the last yeah. episode so this is set in a town in Alaska where it's about to go into 30 days of night mm. where the sun is not going to come up luckily most of the town have left because of this and they turn up Ben Foster plays like the familiar who is creepy as fuck mm. has a real yokel voice um and yeah he helps like he burns all the mobile phones he kills all the dogs he destroys the helicopter so that no one can get out and then they turn up and just start eating people left right and center i mean the one problem i did have and i can see why they did it because they they wanted it to keep stylish but they're vampires who survive on blood they waste so much blood in that film Mm. like they they're biting people on the snow and there's like blood splatter going ever it's like you need you need to watch what you're eating because like you're wasting half your food here. <laughs> um, they're messy eaters. They are very messy eaters. Um, but again, it's, like, it's just very visceral, very in your face. And I wasn't particularly keen on the ending, I have to say. I won't go into what mm. the ending is. Um, but yeah, I just quite a jumpy film. There's a lot of them jumping out. Say it's, for me, it's all in like the vampires, let's say the language. And mm. there's bits where there's people walking and you can see them scurrying across rooftops yeah. following them. I, it's specifically this across the rooftops that yeah. I remembered. Because they sort of, they'll hurt people to try and draw other people mm. out. So there's people walking around screaming in agony and they're just following them to see who jumps out at them. Um, but yeah, really, really like that film. A rare film where I don't think Josh Hartnett's awful either. Because obviously that was his phase where he was like a Hollywood action superstar, despite mm. the fact that he wasn't really an action superstar. Yeah, I've never really thought of him being awful, but... Um, and then I watched What We Do in the Shadows. Oh. Very different tack. So that is an out-and-out comedy mm. of a vampire film. Uh, Love it. So it's a mockumentary following three vampires, who, well, four vampires. One is basically Nosferatu, mm. and he's like thousands of years old. Then you've got someone from like the Russian Revolution. You've got the sort of, almost like a dandy kind of character. Yeah. And they house share like Adamant, in, basically. Yeah, they house share in New Zealand, and we're just following them as they're getting ready to go to this big annual party. And there's a scene where they're sat arguing about who's meant to do the dishes, 
um, whenever they start arguing, they all sort of fly up in the air in a really shit fashion. Um, Taika Waititi, who plays uh, Viego, one of like he's almost like the main one. So he's the one who's sort of leading the documentary. Mm. There's a bit where he gets a girl home and he's like delicately trying to bite a neck and he severs an artery and there is just blood pissing everywhere. Yeah. And he sat, it's the picture I've used on Instagram and he's just sat there covered in blood going, I hit an artery. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, crap. And you've got Jermaine Clement, yeah. who's got a great line where obviously he looks like Jermaine Clement as he is now. And he says, yeah, luckily I was 16 when I was turned. It was just back in my day, 16-year-olds had a hard life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he looks like that. You've also got a lovely scene with some werewolves where the leader is played by Reese Davis, where there's just... And they come round, yeah, don't they? It's just like shit banter. But yeah. it's just hilarious. Cause it's you know, like if vampires and werewolves were students. We're werewolves, not swearwolves, because yeah. one of them starts swearing. Lol. <laughs> And then basically the film starts with them turning someone else into a vampire and then he starts bringing his human friend Stu round and they all love Stu. He gets them on the internet. He helps them with like video calling and like all these other things. They like watch sunrises on YouTube because they've never been able to yeah. watch a sunrise. And then there's another beautiful quote. So sadly, Stuart has a run-in with the vampires and is killed. And we have this beautiful quote. No, if I knew Stu, this was probably the way he wanted to go. Disemboweled by werewolves, blood and guts splayed on the trees, his face torn to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, oh, it's just so. It's so funny. So, it's so it's good. not one of those ones where you like you're dying laughing, but you're just constantly laughing. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, they're turning it into a TV series, which I was a bit dubious about. But Matt Berry has signed up for it as one oh, okay. of the vampires. Um. But yeah, it's just so... Everything is so low-key. Like, they go to this dance and it's a shit little dance in a village hall. Yeah. And there's zombies there as well. And it's just... Ah, oh, it is just fantastic. Taking these characters, though, we've been talking about... Me especially, been talking about how, like, vampires are sexy. But they've really turned them into dorks, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, there's um, a bit where he's doing, like, the sexy dance. And it is mm, just the most cringeworthy yeah. dance. And yeah, it's just... Oh, it's just fantastic. It's so it's not scary in any way. It's just out and out funny. Um, yeah, it was on Netflix. It disappeared. Yeah, but, but it, if you haven't seen it, definitely yeah, give it a watch. A, it's just really, it really good fun. Really good fun. Really like pokes fun at those kind of characters, doesn't it? Yeah, because it is just the whole thing of, but like, not in a nasty yeah, way. What if vampires were real? Like you've got to find food somewhere, like, and you would, you would share. What would your housemates yeah, be you like? Would, yeah. And it is just like, yeah, oh, yeah, we would need to do the dishes, wouldn't we? Yeah. We've got a rotor for what we do around the house. It's like, if you could just pick up your chores, that'd be really great. And yeah. Just, we're, having, we're having a house meeting downstairs. If you could come and join us in 15 minutes. It's just like the admin of being like 300 yeah. years old. Um, and then the last film I watched, which I squeezed in today, is Byzantium. Yeah, now, so I really wanted... To, I saw that. It, I looked up like vampire films that are on Netflix and I, that's the one I really wanted to watch and it's bloody taken off yeah I know they, they come and go I didn't realise how quickly they come and go on Netflix sometimes but this is a film I had watched before and when I watched it last time or the first time I enjoyed it it's a bit different and possibly it was not what I was expecting so mm. I was just like sort of three out of five really solid film watching it today I think it's absolutely amazing it's just so like we said it's very different so this is like female vampires so you've got mm a mother and daughter set of, of vampires although they go by sisters obviously because of their age they're both like mm. in the hundreds of years old it's set in modern times and they're just going from town to town trying to exist they're running from someone which we find out later in the film why and who that is mm. um 
but basically it starts with them in one place they have to move to another place and it's sort of set around this and it's a sort of they've been there before and what happened there before but Gemma Arterton is like the mother character and then I'm going to get her name wrong Saoirse Ronan Saoirse Ronan I don't know how to say it is like the daughter slash younger sister and she's like 16 obviously 16 forever and as we said in the previous they don't have fangs their thumbnail grows really long and they use that to pierce a vein and then they drink okay. just like by sucking the blood out but it's interspersed with cutbacks to Gemma Arterton becoming a vampire and Sasha Ronan becoming a vampire and how that all happened and it goes back Johnny Lee Miller is also in this film which I'd forgotten and he basically is the catalyst for a lot of it and then you've got Sam Riley in it but it's just you've got the flashback stuff which is a bit more sort of vampire and then the stuff set now is almost not vampire it's just almost like this mother daughter trying to survive mm. trying to get through she's going to school and she's sort of she's fed up of traveling all the time of lying all the time she meets a boy and she sort of exclusively lives off old people who almost give themselves to her and yeah. she doesn't turn them in this film to become a vampire you have to go to an island you can't just get bitten. You go to an island, you give yourself, and okay. the island turns you into a vampire. Um, so, yes, yeah, so she basically befriends old people. They realise who she is, and then they just... There's a couple of people, they just go, yeah, okay, I'm ready now. They're basically you? like euthanasia. Almost, yeah. yeah. There's, like, there's this old woman in a bed, she says, can you put my record on for me? She puts the record on me, and then she just holds out her hand, she pierces it, and she drinks her dry. Is it basically like Dignitas? In a way, yeah, but mm. in, in the home. They don't have to travel. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's just really like nicely shot it's got exclusively like english cast although randomly caleb landry jones who uh he is in lots of films so he's in get out he's the brother like the psycho okay. brother um he's like the random non-english person who's like the boy that she meets and he's um he's very sick with leukemia so there's obviously stuff going on obviously he's got an infection of the blood um but it's just really nicely done very di- apologies um but it's just again it's like got a sort of low key and there's just say when they go to the island and they get turned it's like an island covered in waterfalls and when they successfully become a vampire the waterfalls all turn red okay and it just looks really really nice the way it is um but yeah it's just i just can't explain why i loved it so much but watching it was just like wow this is because it's not an in your face it's not a I mean, it is sexy vampires because it's Gemma Arterton and she's a very beautiful woman. Mm. But it's not like a seductive in that... Because it could literally be like they're just a mother and daughter off a council estate. That's the sort of relationship they have. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just really, really enjoyed it and I would thoroughly recommend it to anyone. I'll definitely give that one a watch. Any more for any more? No, that is me vamped out. Lovely. That's all our vampire movies that we've watched. Obviously, there's many, many more. I mean, yeah, I've got many I wanted to get watched, but couldn't. I've got a pile over there. I've got loads upstairs. I wanted to rewatch um, Night Watch and Day Watch because I yeah. remember. I certainly remember enjoying Night Watch. Um, I can't remember Day Watch quite as well, but um, they they were good ones. Um, I wanted to rewatch Shadow of the Vampire, which I've watched once. Yeah, because like, we both said of. we preferred that to the Nosferatu. Yeah, so that's remake. basically a film of the making of Nosferatu mm. under the impression that Max Shrek who played Nosferatu was actually a vampire mm. who lived in a castle and so there's it's a vampire film within a vampire film yeah starring Eddie Izzard if I recall as one mm, of the other characters that rings a bell yeah um, but yeah I just 
so I've only seen it once, but I find it really creepy, very engaging. And mm. William Dafoe, who plays Max Shrek slash Nosferatu, is very, very good at it. He's got that face, hasn't he? Yes. He's got a vampire face. He didn't need face. a lot of makeup. No, he did not. Right, so that brings us to the end of our vampire view. We've got a few top fives that we've cobbled together, haven't we? Well, I've got a couple of top fives I cobbled together. So they're not really in an order, but the five favourite vampire films that I've watched, and again, possibly ones that I've watched. So Byzantium's now in there because I say that just blew me away. Dracula 2001 is probably say my most so two watched. So I haven't watched. I have to watch that. I can't believe that when you're that you almost watched uh, Dracula film. I've never seen. Yeah, so I can vampire film. Sorry, I'm sure it's a. A Kex 50p. Well, we don't both need to own it, do we? Um, Blade 2. Yeah. Just absolutely love that. Um, From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. And What We Do in the Shadows. I just, yeah. So it's very different. It is an out-and-out comedy, but it is just such a good film. But they would probably be, say, not necessarily in order. No, say it is tight because obviously I love Lost Boys. Mm. I love the other Blade films. I mean, Underworld's not made it into that. I didn't get a chance to rewatch Underworld either, but again because that's one that I watch quite a lot and I know I enjoy it so I would prioritise other ones mm. um, yeah I didn't do a top 5 favourite um, vampire films I did top 5 sexy vampires okay fire away um, then are they in an order no I would because they're kind of all equal I would yeah. say in hotness yeah um so probably my number one as you said earlier i probably would have to give it to Stephen dorf because yeah i have what can only be described as a i don't understand it myself yeah because he's not a traditionally like attractive man is well, he but how how would you describe traditionally attractive george clooney sort of universally like, attractive what, maybe handsome. is a yeah i mean I don't he does know, suit it, fangs though. I'll give I don't you know that. if I have a type, but I would not think that Stephen Dorff was it because he's quite short. Yeah, he is. Um, but there's just something about Stephen Dorff that I've always, always enjoyed looking at him, um, and so him as a vampire was very much working for me. And when I rewatched Blade, I was just kind of like, yeah, this film hasn't aged that well, and he looks kind of naff, but I still totally would. Um, so Stephen Dorff has to get. A mention for or Deacon Frost if we're talking about the vampire Stephen Dorff in um, the first Blade movie then I've got mention Kate in oh. the Underworld movies because oh. you know the fangs the blue eyes that outfit those yeah. trousers those boots just the long coat everything that whole she suits look, fangs so well she suits the whole damn get up I mean she is so hot and what they've they've done what five underworld films now i think she's, she's in four of them but yeah i think they've done five but yeah she, but she's the most recent one which is a pile of poo but yeah. she still looks amazing i think they've still got the same boots because funnily enough they something about the the cost because i love um special features that are to do with the costumes and i think the boots that they the the costume uh designer just actually bought a pair of boots and they worked so well and they tried to make new ones or change them or recreate them but but Kate Beckinsale was just like oh we'll just rewear those boots because those boots are the best ones um Salma Hayek from Dust Till Dawn from from Dust Till Dawn yeah. um I think is just a ridiculously hot vampire um and the fact that she's just she's just des- described as the most evil woman mm. but, but really her special evil power is being so beautiful um and then um 
I really um I really went through quite a lot of choices with characters from Buffy um of like who I was going to put in Darla nearly made it but she was pipped to the post I picked Angel Angel was my top hot Spike I do have a soft spot for Spike but if I was to pick one that I'd maybe want to spend a lot of time with I'd probably go with Angel would it be the Muppet version of Angel definitely (laughs) um that lovable little scamp and then we could probably have the whole vampire cast from the Lost Boys, but I went with Kiefer Sutherland, the main one. Um, although I do like um, Jason Patrick's character, that even though he doesn't be vampire for very long, I do think that he's like super hot in it too. But I went with Kiefer Sutherland as like the ultimate hot vampire for me. He's yeah. my number one he's sexy a bad vampire. Boy. Yeah. So yeah, they're my sexy vampires. So I haven't done sexy vampires. I've just done favorite vampires. Which will translate as Terry's sexy vampires. Not really. <laughs> Let's see who you've got. Uh, well, I've got Celine from Underworld, so Kate. Obviously. I mean, she's just she's just a badass, isn't she? Killing werewolves yeah. or lycans left, right, and centre in the in the skin tight outfit, which can't be that pliable. I don't know. It looks. I think it's like stretchy material. Who knows? Uh, I've also gone for Dracula, and in that terms, I've gone for Gary Oldman's. Mm. Dracula. I just, I really like him as the creepy old guy in the castle. I prefer that version. Yeah, I think, think, I think that's the best bit. But I do, I do quite like his sort of loved up youngster mm. to a degree. I think the look of him, like the suit, um, I, I just really like that. Uh, Blade, obviously. Yeah. He's Blade. He's a good vampire. He, if I was doing a top ten, he'd probably be in it. Yeah. I mean, he wears sunglasses indoors. Yeah. That's how cool he is. I do that though. Um, that's just me being lazy though I forget and then my it, face then I've gone for Lestat as in Tom Cruise Lestat I just think as we said like an utter bastard but for some reason you almost sort of root for him because mm. he's just such a twat but just the way he treats people the way he just sort of does what he wants and people just go along with him and the fabulous outfits he wears mm. absolutely fabulous lots of ruffles and then I was sort of torn between Count Orlock from Nosferatu and Viago from what we do in the shadows, Takawatiti's character, because mm. very different vampires. So one possibly the scariest vampire, and one the funniest vampire. Mm. But I think if I had to pick, I'd go Viago mm. just because more Orlok Orl- Orl- is basically Dracula. Yeah, and yeah, it's just if I would, especially if I wanted to spend time with one, it would be Viago because yeah. just knocking about in that house, you're gonna have a lovely time. A lovely time. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna get your jaws done though? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would. would you get your gold stars on your chart? Oh, 100%. But what? I'd be wearing some sort of chastity neck belt so they couldn't bite me. What would you spend your pocket money on? Hmm. Livers for your smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, I, I don't like offal at the best of times, <laughs> let alone blitzed. <laughs> uh, right, you got any more? So I did attempt a top five shit vampire. I asked you to do this, didn't I? Um, so, I mean, it basically could just be the Cullen family from yeah. the Twilight films. Uh, that's the only... When I when I think of shit vampires, anything like fucking sparkly, pasty face. I mean, I will say, I don't think the first one is an awful film. I remember watching the first one because everyone banged on about it. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I didn't think it was awful. I think the sequels are fucking turgid. Um, I mean, you took... <laughs> The top five worst Twilight, the top five worst vampire films could be the five Twilight films as well for me. Um, so obviously Edward is on there because he's fucking a ponce. 
Uh, Lestat, the Stuart Townsend version, is on there because, as we said, if nothing else, his awful miming to the music. <laughs> but it's just, I think Tom Cruise was just so brilliant in the role and they just completed I mean, reading up on it, I think part of the reason was that Queen of the Damned was actually two books merged into one. It, I don't know. There's a book, Lestat the Vampire, where mm. he becomes the rock and roll okay. star and lives it up. And then there's another book, The Queen of the Damned, where she turns up. They thought, we'll just make it into one film because okay. it'll work. And I think that's why it doesn't work at all because you've got two stories merged in. Oh, okay. Because she doesn't make sense at all no, in that film. No, she really doesn't. And I think they just wedged it in because, oh yeah, we'll get a sexy lady vampire in there. Um, and yeah, it just didn't work. Um, Nightshade, who is a character in Dracula 2001. I've included him because he becomes a vampire and dies within about three minutes. So that's a pretty shit vampire. It's a waste of time, really, he isn't just, it? He doesn't get to bite anyone. He doesn't get to drink anyone. He has a bit of a dust-up on a plane, and he's gone. He's out of there. What a book. And then I've only got four on here. The fourth one is a bit controversial with Sonia. I don't like Louis from Interview with the Vampire. He's just too weedy, too needy, oh, too I love whiny. That band. Oh, I love him. I love a needy man. Because it's just... I mean, obviously, he was the juxtaposition to Lestat, because mm. Lestat loved being a vampire and enjoyed every second of it. So... I guess maybe the stat wouldn't look quite as cool and as interesting if that wasn't for Louis. But it's like he wanted to become a vampire. He almost asked to become a vampire. And then he just pissed and whinged about mm. being a vampire. It's just like, just fucking stand in the daylight then, mate. Just just get it over with. Oh, yeah. I I, I maybe see your point. I just I just think he... I, yeah, I really, really like... It's a man. It's Brad Pitt with long it's hair. A, it's, not even, it's not even about that. But he he's not shabby on the eye um I, it's, it's his voice and everything and i just i like the fact that he's quite pathetic yeah it just annoyed me yeah but i say i can see the reasoning for him being like that because it is him and lestat as a as a double act a power couple yeah the anton deck of the time um, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but yeah so yeah that's my top four slash nine if you include the entire cullen family yeah um, you're all bellends <laughs> Apart from who was the dad? He wasn't too bad. Oh, I don't know. He was. He wasn't awful. I can't start those fucking films. I think I've watched the first two. I read a couple of the books. They made me wanted to. Mate, I know we're not here really to talk about it, but that Bella character. She oh, made me damn. want to remove my womb and just give up being a woman. I mean, I, 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 you said Louis. Louis is pathetic. She's fucking pathetic. Yeah, but she's only a vampire for two minutes at the oh, end. It's not even she? about her being a vampire. She just d- disgraced oh, yeah. her women. She just grow a pair. And that's not even covering the fact that she's into bestiality. Yeah, I just and necrophilia. I just hated everything about. So I've them. seen all of them once. Two, three, four, and five. I saw at the cinema because my wife likes them and just, just awful. I don't want to talk about it because Bella makes me sad for womankind. But anyway. I think that's everything. That's We're vampires all done. done. We're all vamped out. So uh, when we finished with the Arnie pod, I was frankly sick of watching Arnie films, and I'm frank, frankly sick of watching At least vampire films. The thing with films. vampire films is like you get different. You can have different genres yeah. and stuff. Whereas an Arnie film is an Arnie film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whose turn is it to pull out of the hat? I think it's mine because last time you said about. Oh no, you said the hat was weighty, didn't you? You must have yeah. been holding the hat before. Yeah. All right. Let's have a look. So what we're going to be watching for the next two weeks, we are going to be watching... Let's check it out first, see if it works. Is it white or yellow? It's white. Girl Power. 
That could that could work for um So what actors. does girl power entail, Sonia? So girl power, think about the it's a yellow one, so it's one of mine. Think about the new Ocean's Eight film. We're looking yeah. for female female leads or female driven casts. So the main so it doesn't have to be entirely female, but like I'm looking really for something like Ocean's Eight where the main cast is is, is there many films that's just Let's find out. Or very something like Wonder Woman, where so can we just go for like strong women, big female characters? Yes, you can go for big female characters if you can go for some ensemble. Yeah, so obviously that's that's the like the the star we're reaching for, but failing yeah. that big female characters, strong yeah. female characters. I don't want you to just pick an actress that you think is strong. It's got to be a really strong character. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. I may be messaging you quite a lot around this. Why? Just just to make sure that I've I fit the criteria. Okay. Because as we know, I'm a sexist pig. Hashtag me too. <laughs> Girl power. Um, yeah, awesome. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I, me too. <laughs> well, you can put boy power in if you want. There must be loads of... You don't really like girls though, do you? Like that, you know, as strong. Why don't you watch the Twilight movies? Oh, fuck off. As an example if of... If I'm not watching the Twilight film when we're doing vampires, I'm not fucking watching the Twilight film. It's an example of uh, a non-strong uh, oh, female again, lead. It doesn't have to be filmed, so we could even talk like Buffy. Obviously, we probably don't want to, because you know, I'm just thinking... You could talk about Buffy, but I would just, as a cast, it's not... Um, I mean, you could talk Joss Whedon, because he always has like strong yeah. female characters. I'm looking more... Something sp- specifically like the Ocean's 8 films, where you've got... An yeah, I know all what you female mean. cast. If you if you really sit down and have a think about it, Charlie's you can Angels, think of something like Charlie's Angels. Yeah, it's just that's absolutely perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, cool aid. like the film Heat with <laughs> the, the, heat. the Heat. It's got your favourite in it. Yes, yep. Sandra, but it's also got fucking Melissa McCarthy. That's what I meant. That's your favourite. Oh, I thought you went because Sandra Bullock is one of my favourites. Well, there you go. Have you watched the Heat? Oh fuck, it's got Melissa McCarthy in it. Wow. Um. Might be done. Yeah. Um, do you want to do the social media stuff? Yeah, so social media. So we are Theatrical Cut Pod on the Instagram. We are Theatrical Cut on the Twitter. I'm Prefax on Twitter and Instagram. Sonia is Mallory underscore watches on Instagram and Bloody Mallory on the Twitter. Uh, too much time on our hands is T-M-O-T... No. T-M-O-O-T-H. No. T-M-T-O-O-H. Yeah, on the Twitter... And 2-M-T-O-O-H on the Instagram. Or have I got that the other way around? Just one or the other. Yeah, one of, they're also up. on the Facebook. They don't encourage email. So if you want to email anyone, email us at theatricalcut at gmail.com. So yeah, we'll be looking for your feedback on girl power films. Yeah, so we're looking for female-led films. Ideally, I'm looking for a strong female cast. Something along the lines of Oceans 8. Doesn't have to be that big of a cast. Um, or what was Terry suggested? Um, Charlie's Angels. Angels. Or if you think. In what about except, female directors? I'm. Maybe. I'm really looking for more sort of like. Yeah. When I put it in the hat, I was thinking female casts because okay. the Oceans 8 film was coming out and I was getting super excited. It was very good. Um, yeah. So even if I'm thinking, what was the film that you Byzantium, which has got like yeah. a mother and daughter character? Even if like the two main characters, yeah. even if you've got two main female characters, but the story has got to be centered around them. Yeah. Um, I'm not interested if there's like a dad and a brother as well. So sort of like Amityville wouldn't be any good because yeah. it's 
four of them are the main characters. Yeah, that's what I'm after. Strong female characters as opposed to female directors. Okay. Please and thank you. And that's it. Are we done? We're all done. Mike, drop. Drop.